G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Don't you just love being around a cheerful person? The grumpy pessimist, on the other hand, well, that saps the life out of you. So how do other people think of you? Cheerful or grumpy? Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond. Great to be with you again today as we take a look at a cheerful heart from a different perspective. And do stay tuned because in just a few minutes, I'll be telling you about the powerful prayer that could be coming your way to help you through whatever it is that you happen to be dealing with in your life. Just at the moment. There are basically two types of people on this planet, pessimists and optimists. And you know the difference? When they look at a donut, the optimist sees a lovely, tasty, sweet, sugary, cinnamony coated thing And the pessimist sees the whole. The optimist looks at the glass of water and sees it half full. The pessimist, of course, sees it as being half empty. In other words, optimists see what they have and they rejoice in it. Pessimists look at what they don't have and complain about it and moan over it. And even though the optimists and the pessimists, well, they're a bit of a stereotype, we all know people who fit into one or other of those two camps. And we all know who we'd rather be around, right? So let me ask you, which one are you? Are you mostly an optimist or mostly a pessimist? Optimists and pessimists. Well, maybe it sounds like a bit glib, but it's true, isn't it? You know an optimist is someone who is hoping for the best and a pessimist is someone who is believing for the worst. Another way of saying it that's trendy these days is to talk about energy givers and energy takers. You know when you're around someone that seems to build you up, it seems that they have enough joy and enough peace and, and enough enthusiasm inside them that they've got some to spare and it overflows out of their lives and they just can't help it. They give some of it to us and they're great people to be around. The chairman of our board in this ministry, a man by the name of Anthony, is one of those people. I love being around the guy because he has this this exuberance and joy and he looks forward to things and I find him encouraging. Now, there are other people, there are others who are energy takers, and when you're around them, they drain you, they sap you of energy, they're complaining, they're needling, they're victims, we're always propping them up emotionally, and that takes energy and it takes effort. You spend time with someone like that, and you feel drained and exhausted. If you close your eyes, if I close my eyes, and we picture our friends and family and work colleagues and just picture their faces pretty quickly, we can look at them and fit them into one of those two camps, energy givers or energy takers, optimists or pessimists. Last week and this week on the program, we've been having a look at that wonderful Yiddish proverb that you may have heard me talk about a few times now that says, every generation has to learn for itself that the stove is hot. I love it. It's a great proverb. And we know what it means, don't we? People can give us as much advice as they like, but sometimes we've just got to go out there and make our own mistakes and learn for ourselves and, and hopefully benefit from those mistakes and grow and mature as people. Some people naturally are energy takers. Some people naturally sap 
people of energy. And if that's you, the question you'd probably ask is, well, you know, now that you mention it, now, now that you've talked about it, it'd be so nice not to be. It'd be so nice to change and be someone who gives and someone who overflows and, and someone that people want to be around rather than being someone who drains other people. Question is, is that possible? And my answer is absolutely. Absolutely, it's possible. But sometimes to make such a change, the only way I know is for God to breathe his love and his spirit and his words into our heart. And there's a picture that God has in his book, the Bible, in the book of Proverbs, which was written by King Solomon as fatherly advice to young men. There's a picture that I think is more than just a picture. It's a picture that God can use, that God can use in your heart today to evoke something special, to change something that we ourselves can't change. It's in the book of Proverbs, chapter 17, verse 22. It says this, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a downcast spirit dries up the bones. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a downcast spirit dries up the bones. Well, Bernie, you know, it's easy for you to say that, to say go out and have a cheerful heart, great, but I don't feel cheerful. I'm lonely or I'm rejected or I'm feeling down or I just don't feel cheerful. I can't think positively. A cheerful heart is good medicine. If you're struggling to have a cheerful heart, this picture of God is for you. And I'd ask you to open your eyes and look out across your life, the things that are near, the things that are far. Look out across to the horizon. Just scan your life. And there'll be some good things out there and there'll be some tough things out there. And I would ask you just to look at the good things and say, Lord, thank you for those good things. Jesus said, I came to bind up the brokenhearted. I came to set the captives free, to give sight to the blind. Me, I met Jesus when everything else in my life was going wrong. It wasn't fair. It was hurting a lot. I was on my own, and the person that was in that place with me was Jesus. He came, and he sat down in my space with me, and you think, how did he do that? Jesus died 2,000 years ago. Jesus, my friend, he's alive and well today because he rose again. Jesus said, you come and believe in me, and my Father and I will come and make our home with you through the Holy Spirit. So I begin to read about Jesus in the Bible. I found this, this radical lover of my lost soul. I found someone who was prepared to come out with me to bring me home again. And then when his spirit comes and lives in you, he talks with you and he walks with you. You might think, Bernie, you must be smoking something. You know, that can't be real. This is as real to me as my hand when I look at it in front of my face, as anything else physical. The spiritual presence of God is just as real to me. Each one of us looks out across our lives and there are some good things and there are some things that we would rather not have there. And the balance of those is going to change over time. What it's like this week is different to what it's going to be like next week and and what it's going to be like in two years' time. This year, we might be up in the balance. Next year, that balance might get down a bit lower. There might be a few more things that we'd rather not have there than things that we really do want to have there. Life goes up and down. But when you've got Jesus sitting there with you and walking with you, you look at it from a different perspective. Having a cheerful heart when Jesus is living in there is not actually something you have to work too hard at. Now, now, I work hard. I work long hours. Not everything always goes to plan in my life. Sometimes people hurt me and they upset me. But you know something? I made a decision. Jesus died for me. Jesus rose again for me. Jesus died to buy me peace and he died to buy me joy. And, and I'm going to have a cheerful heart. 
That's a decision. It's not something I have to work at. It is a decision because in my heart is the very presence of God himself. It's a wonderful gift. It's a, it's a wonderful present. Christ in me. And that Jesus, his glory shines in my heart. You know what the alternative is? The alternative is a downcast spirit, which dries up the bones. Dry bones mean being dead inside. Bones are what hold us together. They're our structure. They're our framework. They're what hold us upright. Your bones dry out. Our lives fall apart and it impacts those around us as well. Are you downcast? Do you have dry bones? Can I encourage you again to look out across your life, to survey your life and take it to Jesus and give it to him and say, Jesus, I believe what this joker just said on the radio. I actually believe that you died for me. I believe that you died to buy me a great life. And I plan to enjoy my life. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a downcast spirit dries up the bones. Jesus, I pray that you would give me before we go, I'd just like to remind you that if you have a prayer need, we would love to pray for you. Listen, the only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. Just let that sink in. The only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. So if you'd like us to pray with you, in fact, if you'd like our whole prayer community to pray with you, stop by online at PowerfulPrayer.org to share your prayer request. It's completely confidential. Your name won't be displayed. And in fact, while you're there, perhaps you could pray for one or two others and leave them an encouraging word as well. The Bible says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. So let us pray for you and with you And let's just see what God does, how he intervenes, how he chooses to bless you. That web address again is PowerfulPrayer.org. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time tomorrow with a different perspective. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.